0: Hi, I'm the Ish Girl, and you're listening to episode 106 of In the Middle of It, the podcast where parents and teachers can find ideas, strategies, and resources for connecting with teens. Hey there, I'm Amy, also known as the Ish Girl, and I am so excited to welcome you guys here with me today. Now, for those of you who've been here for a while, you know that I married my college sweetheart, Philip, and we have been together for about 26 years. And if you are new, well, again, welcome. And I'm just going to tell you a little bit about us. And I don't know that I've shared this with um, with all you guys out there or not. But I will say that for all intents and purposes, my husband and I are the poster children for or poster couple for opposite attract because, um, we joke that our personality tests look like Argyle sweaters because we're opposites in everything. Like in every personality test we've ever taken, we're kind of the inverse of each other. So for those of you who speak Myers-Briggs, I'm an ENFP and he is an ISTJ. There was that animal personality test that was popular a while back. And I'm an otter. He's a golden retriever where I'm a sanguine choleric. Um, he is a phlegmatic melancholy. I think that's what those are the four things on that, on that particular test. I can't remember what it's called where I'm talkative. He's quiet. In fact, my family joked that they never actually heard him talk until well after we were married. Like he was very shy. Um, Whereas I'm very outgoing and I'm an optimist. He's a pessimist. I'm fly by the seat of my pants, spontaneous. And he is, I would say plan. He plans for every contingency solid like steady that way. So it has been a really good thing. I think we balance each other out really well, where I tend to jump into things. He's a little more cautious where he tends to get stuck and not want to move forward. I help motivate him to start. So it's, it's just been a really good thing. But as you might imagine, after 26 plus years of marriage, it has caused some friction along the way. But a funny thing has started to happen. The longer that we're married, the more it's like we're we're moving from our opposite ends of the spectrum towards each other. Now I wouldn't say we've met in the middle yet, because we're both still very different. But I would say he is definitely more outgoing. In fact, after last night's game, I was laughing because he was talking to the people around us. And I'm like, man, you've changed so much from when we first got married. And we were laughing about that together. But I would say one of the greatest gifts that he has given me as far as moving closer towards him on that spectrum is his ability to be patient. Like he, he is a man of the ultimate patience. And you might be asking, why am I sharing this with you today? The fact of the matter is that when you talk about student engagement which is what we're talking about today patience is a really huge factor so stick with me and i'll explain exactly why so first as far as student engagement is concerned i have a couple of questions for you guys are you struggling with your students level of engagement right now and how much harder has online learning made middle school student engagement and then the biggest question i have for you Um, would be are middle schoolers truly hard to teach and I will say as a middle school teacher and I'm wondering I'm betting that you guys have heard this too when you share that you are a middle school teacher you invariably get the reaction of oh my gosh I could never do that like how do you how do you teach that that age kid there's this idea this thought and belief that middle school students are much harder to teach. And I think in some cases, it's probably deserved. And I think it does definitely take a special type of personality, someone who's really called to be in middle school, to teach. However, I think that there's a lot more that goes into and and are, are pieces of what student engagement can be and what it looks like, all right? Because if you are struggling with your student engagement right now, and again, I would say, let's face it, I'm, I'm pretty much 100% positive that if you're not dealing with it now you have in the past or you will in the future i think it is kind of a given because you are in the classroom every day every day every day and so there are just going to be some days where it's hard to engage the students i'm really curious though on a day-to-day basis when it's not a an unusual day like right before vacation or, or whatever i'm curious what it looks like when you struggle with engagement Does it seem to have that ripple effect where first maybe your students seem bored and disengaged and then misbehavior starts, maybe passing notes or texting or chattering and and that kind of thing? Or maybe it's like that scene in Ferris Bueller where the teacher is droning on and on and the kids are just completely zoned out, Um, that whole anyone, anyone scenario. Um, maybe you're frustrated because the lack of student engagement in your classroom has really affected your pacing. And now you're overwhelmed and getting further and further behind on your curriculum because you're you're having to to try to drag them along with you through the lessons. So what I want to say to you is that keeping students engaged can feel like a moving target. And first, let me assure you, number one, part of keeping middle schoolers engaged is absolutely because it's developmentally appropriate for them to be self-conscious or insecure or want to avoid failure. And so they're not gonna step in and, and engage and, and interact with you because they're self-conscious, they're worried about what their peers are gonna say, um, they don't wanna get an answer wrong or, or, or whatever the case is. So, so that is true, that is developmentally appropriate. However, I would say also, like we talked about in the last episode, that the environments that we create in our classrooms can affect student engagement, and that includes things like how well organized we are or even your own stress level. So I would say that engaging students is something that is absolutely under our umbrella, and again, if you're new here, under your umbrella is kind of a, it's a little analogy that I've used in the past to talk about the things that are your responsibilities, that are your, within your boundaries. Anything under your umbrella is, is yours to take hold of and be responsible of any, anything outside is other people's umbrellas. So other people's feelings, thoughts, actions are outside of your umbrella, all those things that I just listed of yours are inside your umbrella. And you can check out episode 16 of the podcast, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes so that you can go and get kind of more of a, uh, a little bit more of an overview of what um, your healthy umbrella about, healthy umbrella boundaries are. But again, I would say that student engagement Part of that falls under your umbrella. You have a piece to play in that. So those things, your environment, the stress level, all that, that affects engagement. But I would say that there is one thing that impacts engagement more than anything else in your classroom. And that would be your connection to your students. And that's where the story about my husband and I comes into play, because to connect with your students takes patience. And I have a quote to share with you guys. So Stephen Covey, uh, who wrote Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, says that with people, fast is slow and slow is fast. So in other words, you have to take your time with people. You cannot manage them. We talked about that on a previous episode where it's not about managing people. You manage things. You connect and work with people. And that's especially true with our middle schoolers. So you really have to take time with them. And that's what this has to do with middle schoolers and engagement. You cannot rush through your curriculum. You really have to build community and trust and relationships first before you can jump into the material. Now, as you become a more and more experienced teacher, a lot of times you can mesh them where you're creating connection. You, you have activities and in instruction where you're creating connection as you're going through your material and your curriculum or you're building skill sets that are part of your curriculum as you are um, working to connect. So it is definitely possible, but I would say connection, even just activities for connection's sake are important and crucial, especially if you want to be able to keep your pacing and and get through your curriculum, you're really going to have to build first. And the question might be here that is that really possible with middle school students? I don't know about you guys, but my class sizes were not tiny. And at the end of the day, with all of my class periods, I usually had close to 140 students. So is it possible when you have potentially hundreds of students to create connection? And I would emphatically say, yes, it is. It is possible to do that. And I was reading an article earlier about a school in Nevada where uh, the administration, I thought this was a fantastic thing. The administration for the, their staff meetings started putting the names of all the students on the walls of the library where they would, would meet. And, and the names were listed out in kind of almost like a spreadsheet format. And there were columns and they would have all the teachers of the school go around and, and put check marks around things that they they could say, yes, I have that, I have that knowledge. And they were things like, oh, um, do they know their this student's name and face? Do they know something personal about that student? Do they know um, the student's personal family story? Do they know that student's academic standing? And so, they would go through, all the teachers would go through the list, they go around the room, and then they were able to see gaps where there were kids who maybe had fewer or no checks next to their name. And so they knew those were kids that they needed to focus on and be very intentional and deliberate about connecting with, because as the principal states in this article, He shared that a large part of their motivation for doing this was not only to increase their very low graduation rates, but also because, and this is a quote, students who don't form meaningful connections at school may be at risk for behavior problems, but also at risk for dropping out and even committing suicide. So since they've started, the school has started this this project, it's a social emotional learning project. They have increased their attendance rates and their state test scores, and their graduation rates have gone up 18%, and they've had fewer disciplinary infractions. Now, I would say that that very clearly points to more student engagement. You don't get those kinds of results unless your students are engaged. So if you want to create more student engagement, you are going to need to have patience And you're also going to need to keep a few things in mind. Number one, and this is first and foremost, and I know that I've said this to you guys before, middle schoolers, kids in general and dogs, I would say can spot a faker from a mile away. They can just sniff it out so they can sense authenticity. I'm sure you've heard the saying before. I've seen it on bulletin boards and Pinterest and all kinds of things, but students don't care what you know until they know that you care. And when your students know that you care, then they're going to be able to become more invested. They have to know that you care about them first. And once they're invested in that way, then they're a lot more likely to learn. They're a lot more likely to communicate with you and talk to you if they feel like you see them as an individual, as a person. So number two, it is beneficial to take time to have group discussions about their engagement. Now I know that's really kind of meta. You're engaging them about engagement, but doing that can really help build relationships and engagement at the same time. So you're talking to them about what kinds of lessons are engaging for you? What have been the activities or things that you've done with previous teachers that really excited you and made you motivated to do the work or learn the information or whatever. So, so just ask them. Sometimes it's as simple as that, as having that discussion. And you're also Again, that is modeling to them and showing them that you care about them. There's a great article. Again, we'll link to it, to this article that I'm pulling this quote from and to um, the other article that I mentioned a second ago in the show notes at theishgirl.com forward slash EP106. But in this article, it talks about all students to some extent seek mastery, understanding, self-expression and positive interpersonal relationships but every student is different as well imagine what could happen if we engaged our students in a discussion of these four different types of motivation again that's um, seek mastery understanding self-expression and positive interpersonal relationships so if we engage them in a discussion about those four things what might they tell us about themselves and their classrooms could we actually teach them to design their own work in ways that match their own unique potential for engagement? Having the that actual conversation is super important as well. I think it it, it can be super enlightening as far as um, where their heads are at and what they're thinking. Now, third, you need to have the right mindset. Yes, you guys knew I was going to go there. It's always about the mindset, right? Because none of these things are going to work unless you have the right mindset. And there are some limiting beliefs that you really want to avoid and weed out if you have, if you ever feel them crossing your mind. Things like this middle school job is just a foot in the door on the way to a high school assignment in this district, or these kids are just difficult. Or that kind of resigned, it is what it is, and I don't really have any higher expectations for them. This is just how it's going to be. Those are all things that are going to limit your ability to connect and to engage your students, if, the, if that's your mindset. The fourth thing is that you need a genuine curiosity and interest in your students. And this goes hand in hand with um, that authenticity piece. But again, students can tell if you are genuine or not and what it might look like. Of course, it's going to be different for every teacher in every classroom, but some things that I think are very um, universal as far as helping kids feel connected are things like having conversations that are about things other than the curriculum, calling your students by name, greeting them at the door. Um, remembering the personal details that you share with them and also cultivating relationships with their parents. And that's something that we're going to talk about next week is parent communication and relationships. But, but when you're connected with their family, that is powerful as far as creating connection and motivating engagement and interaction, because it is a, it's a huge piece of them feeling safe and connected to you. All right, and also doing things like giving them opportunities to communicate with you so that they can share things with you that aren't you know curriculum related things like you could have a physical or a digital dropbox where they can share stuff with you. I know um I was reading in an article I think it's one of the ones that I'm linking to this week in my show notes where a teacher, I guess once a week they would have a, it was like a a Friday family circle or something like that. And she would have students anonymously write compliments to to each other on sticky notes. And then she'd pull them out of the box and read them. So things like that um, really go a long way in creating that connection and community which then leads to engagement. So capturing your students' attention and really inspiring them to interact is truly an art, and it's also a journey. And it's a journey that starts with connection. And before anything else, you really wanna build those relationships. You really wanna build that community because once your students, again, feel safe and cared for and accepted, they're gonna be a lot more motivated to engage in your learning space and that means you'll be able to transcend your role as a teacher to become a mentor and teens need the adults in their lives to be their mentors that is a drum that i am going to continue to beat over and over teens need the adults in their lives to be their mentors and again they can tell if you truly care about them and your job or not and if you are genuine You're showing genuine concern for them first as people and for their learning second, the learning is second. And it's, it's very counterintuitive. I know again, they don't care what you know until they know that you care about them. And then once you can get into that space where they feel cared for and connected with, that's when the learning can really take off and the engagement can really take off. Now, This is not an easy or a quick process, right? It's simple. It sounds super simple, but simple is not easy. So just because this works doesn't mean that it happens overnight. It's something we have to practice over and over and over again. And it's a skill that we can develop and learn as we go along. Because once you have different strategies and activities to connect Um, You can refine them and go over and over them again so that um, it is leading to the engagement. Now, if that is something that you struggle with, or even just something that you want to refine more, I would love to help you with that. And that is something that I am going to be talking about and sharing with everyone when I do my workshop in a couple of weeks, the one that I've been talking about, and I'm so super excited about it. So if you are interested in that, I would love for you to go to the ishgirl.com forward slash workshop waitlist and sign up to be on the waitlist so that you're first to know when that workshop is going to happen and when it drops and to get signed up for it. I would also say, oh, before I forget For things like today with um, Facebook Live and for other fun behind the scenes kinds of things, I would highly encourage you guys to sign up for my weekly newsletter Um, i'm actually recording this if you're listening to the podcast on itunes or whatever i'm recording this live on facebook so if you are part of my super special people group of um, email subscribers then you would know about that and you could watch live and then also i share things with my people who are on my email list that I don't share anywhere else. I feel like, again, you're my people. We have this connection. See how I worked that in there. We have this connection. And so I feel comfortable sharing a lot more personal information and details, you know, not the whole kitchen sink, obviously, but I do feel like we can get a little bit more intimate because um, we have a relationship through email. All right, so definitely find the link to sign up for my weekly emails on my show notes. That's again at theishgirl.com forward slash EP106. And I would love for you guys to come hang out again next week. And I'm going to be talking about communicating with parents and maybe some of the challenges that can come up with that and the importance of creating a connection there with that kind of communication. Okay. Okay. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you so, so, so much. I just cannot even describe or explain how excited I get that you guys are inviting me into your ears and listening and hopefully able to grab a lot of value from the things that we share here on the show. Okay, friends, from an ish girl who is excited for Thanksgiving next week and so thankful for so many things. And you guys are at the top of that list. I am grateful to be in the middle of it together.